Welcome to the Bike Life Podcast by Warm Showers Foundation, where we will be sharing knowledge, experience, tools, and stories of touring cyclists and hosts from around the world. I'm Tauber Lee, the woman behind the scenes at Warm Showers Foundation, the leading platform for cyclists looking for hosts and to connect with a passionate international community. Find out more by visiting us at warmshowers.org. Now on to the show. Imagine the beginning of the pandemic, the restrictions that we felt, which we all remember. And today's guest made the decision to cycle from Chicago out to the sea solo at 61 years old. She continues to share her story far and wide and has been featured in publications such as the New York Times. It really is my honor to welcome Jane Hertenstein. Did I say that right? It's Hertenstein. <laughs> Hertenstein, Stein, Stein. I know I meant to ask you that first. Hertenstein. Thank you for taking the time to speak with us. Thank you. So let's start because I know you have a, a big, great, big, beautiful biography of who you are and, and what you've done. And I would love for you to start with that because I feel like it's it's worthy to recognize um, everything about you. So tell us a little bit more about yourself. Well, um, I lived in Chicago, as you mentioned. I was doing... Uh, you know, community activist work, uh, working at a homeless shelter in Chicago. And, you know, everything was good. I had been there for many years. Uh, I had recently divorced, uh, which was very sad for me. And I was still working through the grieving of that relationship, of course. And um, also, I was, I'm a writer. Um, and I have a lot of online presence and also uh, articles and stories that have been in print publications. Um, so quite a, quite a few, though. So I, I, I won't go into yeah. any details. But uh, I've also uh, done workshops on something I've somewhat trademarked as flash memoir. Uh, everyone mm. knows what memoir is, but flash is sort of a format of writing small. It's uh, like the haiku of prose. So when I talk about flash memoir, it's about taking small memories, those sparks as they were, and and turning them into something uh, that can be shared with other people. I love that. And you're talking to the right audience because a lot of our community captures their stories either through photos or written pieces or video blogs. Um, so let's just say this. Let's anybody that wants to see what you have and what you've done, Google you. Okay. <laughs> just we're gonna just check the spelling of the name on this video or podcast wherever you're watching or listening and and Google Jane so you can find out more. But we're happy to put the link to that workshop because Thinking of, you know, a lot of our touring cyclists and hosts, they have some really fantastic, amazing stories to tell. In fact, on this podcast, I talk to a lot of authors and it's it's always it's always such an amazing, expansive experience. So I love that flash memoir. OK, keep going. <laughs> well, it, it's just a way to turn those anecdotes that people, you know, they feel like it's just cocktail party conversation or, you know, you can say 
I do rock climbing or whatever, or I cycled across the country, but it's about how to turn it into a story. So uh, that's one of the things I do. And I guess in the notes, we'll also put in my, I'm a, I'm a blogger uh, or essayist, and we can have uh, links to that in, in the notes. For sure. Happy to. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I'm I'm still so curious about the writing pieces. I feel like I could spend the whole show talking to you about writing. But let's keep going with your biography. Um, what is your history or experience with cycling? Um, <clears throat> probably at the age of two, my father strapped wooden blocks onto a tricycle, and I could ride to the end of the block. Um, and I think that started everything. Um, I remember again, maybe being a kindergartner and I took my bicycle. Of course, my mother, this, this is like the seventies. Nobody's watching their kids. I took my bicycle across the highway and I was bicycling inside an apartment complex and, uh, it started to get dark, you know, and I knew I had to get home and then my pedal fell off. And so, again, I had to use my own resources to get back across the highway, get back home, and then act like no big deal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that, um, that is the beginning of the resilience that you learned in cycling. <laughs> right. And I don't know if even in the notes we have an opportunity to have like a link to a picture. That I have a picture of me at age 16 on my Huffy Scout with a little backpack on, getting ready for a bike ride. So you've been cycling your whole life? Yes, yes. Well, and it's the curiosity that has been with me my whole life that I have to sort of see around the next corner. And uh, and bicycling really was a way for me to to leave the suburbs and, and see other places and meet people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When? How old were you when you did your first overnight trip? Um, I think I. Well, I was in my early twenties. But here's the thing that was sort of the impetus behind the cross country bike trip that I did at age sixty one. Um, as soon as uh, lockdown restrictions lifted, um, I at age sixteen. I was introduced to the idea of the bike centennial. Uh, there was two couples that started bike centennial, uh, which was going to be a cross country bike trip for 1976 in time for the bicentennial. Um, and one of the couples was from Ohio. And I think somehow at the library, I might've seen a notice on a bulletin board that there was going to be a lecture uh, and it was going to be this couple talking about the hemisphere tour that they had begun from Alaska down to uh, the tip of South America. And so I went for that, but it was the couple that had sort of pulled out of that trip to uh, come back to the States and start working on plans for bike centennial. So at age 16, I was for sure going to ride my bike across the country, but my parents would not let me. So that when I was six, 
the one, just invert those numbers, <laughs> I decided that this was my time to do it, you know, um, that this was my chance. And how long was that trip that you took once the lockdowns, um, once we were released, once we were released to be free again? <laughs> well, that's when I went from Chicago to Seaside, Oregon. My daughter, yes, how my daughter lived in how Eugene. How long was that? It took me about okay. 43 days. Mm-hmm. Was it what you thought that it was going to be? Well, that was not my first bike trip. Um, okay. So I had done several bike trips prior to that. Uh, I had started actually with a pretty good friend of mine who also lived in uh, in in Chicago and we worked together and um, her name was Steffi and we did the Katy Trail, uh, we did Matches Trace, we tried to bicycle around Lake Michigan but that was expected. Um, we'd done lots of little overnighters and so I sort of knew what came with the territory um, but then she moved away and I felt really, I thought that whole era of bicycling and bike touring might be over for me. And then I had visiting with me um, a German family and one of the boys, Zoran, he said, oh, no, no, Jean, you, you can do this still. And I was like, really? And then, I don't know, I typed stuff in online and I found warm showers and I found crazy guy on a bike. I don't know if you're familiar mm-hmm. with that diary platform. Yep. And so I read different diaries of um, people who had done and that's when I formulated taking my bike on the airplane and going from Chicago to Jacksonville, Florida, and then cycling from Jacksonville to Key West. And so that was my my first solo one. And I think it was 2014. So your your trip after the pandemic wasn't your first. It wasn't your first go around. Okay, um, and so how did you feel? Was that the first one, the one that you did um, through Florida? Was that your first solo? Yes, and that's where I really um, utilized warm showers because uh, I'm okay with camping, and we can get more into some of the camping that I've done, which some of it has been stealth camping. Um, my favorite actually, but I felt <laughs> in Florida that, I don't know, I felt I was afraid of alligators and I didn't want mm. to be camping somewhere and get eaten by an alligator or carried away by an alligator. So um, I was able to camp at certain campgrounds and state forests, but then I also utilized warm showers and uh, several of the people I'm still friends with on Facebook. And one of the guys, he told me, well, he liked me a lot because he said, you came on a bike. And I said, well, yeah, it's warm showers. It's hospitality for bicycling, for bicyclists. And he said, no, no, I've had people come in their car with bicycles on the back. And he said, I come out of my house and tell them to keep going because I only take (laughs) bike tourists. And I said, oh, well, yeah. (laughs) He was surprised that you were actually doing the thing. Well, no, he just, he was glad I was doing the thing. He wouldn't have yeah. taken me 
you know, even though he accepted me online, my request, he he would have told me to keep going if I came in a car with a bike on the back. Interesting. Okay, I love this term that you just said, which is stealth camping. Tell us more. I want to hear about stealth camping. Um, so, um, it's not like I want to be illegal or not pay, but it came in very handy. Um, well, let me just explain. When I did my lockdown ride in 2020, where I went across the country from Chicago to Oregon, you know... It, you were lucky to find a bathroom. Um, bathrooms were bolted. Um, campgrounds were off limits. Um, and, and sometimes this didn't even make sense. It's like you could have an RV in a campground, but you couldn't have a tent in a campground because all the facilities were locked. So, of course, I'm not going to pay $17, $27 to not have a bathroom or a shower. Um, right. So what happened? And and also, I know from reading about Bike Centennial and people who do these cross-country trips, a lot of times you can stay in county parks or wherever. Um, and so there is, I think, you know, here in the U.S., it's, it's, it's not like in England where they don't, really support you know just camping anywhere um and i'm still not saying you can camp just anywhere but a lot of times i i gave myself the freedom that if i got really tired if i was if it was getting dark i could always just look for a spot and pull over and i had different you know thresholds that i would look for 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 a spot, and a lot of times it was county parks, so it wasn't like too out of the ordinary. And the best places are the ones, the county parks that have a pavilion and also have like electrical outlets. So I could recharge my device and get up the next morning and go. Did you ever have an instance where you were camping um, stealthily and got caught and told to move along? Yeah, with Steffi, actually. Um, we had, and we were in a little park, and I had done some online um, investigation, and I knew there was a campground. I, we just couldn't find it. It was getting dark. So, you know, we just camped by this little lake. Um, but in the morning, uh, like a warden came in his truck and he's like, oh, you got to take your tent down. And I'm like, OK. And so we were tent down and then he out an ordinance. And I said, oh, man, is this a ticket? And he goes, no, but if you if we find you again, um, then then you will have, you know, to show up in court. But I was like, OK, you're never going to find me again. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> and so some of the rules of stealth camping, especially if you're in a place that you, you know, probably hasn't supported camping, <laughs> uh, at least on a sign, uh, is to, you know, set up a little late and break camp very early so that, you know, it looks like you're just having a picnic instead of a camping experience. Right, right. 
Today's episode is brought to you by BikeFlights.com, the leading bicycle shipping service and bike box supplier for cyclists. You'll enjoy low costs, excellent service, and on-time delivery with every shipment. And you get preferred handling for your high-value bikes, wheels, and gear. As a brand built around a love for the outdoors, they are committed to reducing environmental impact and every bike flights shipment is carbon neutral. Join the nearly 1 million cyclists who have used bike flights to ship their bikes, wheels and gear with confidence since 2009 and see how easy it is to book, manage and track all of your shipments. Visit bikeflights.com forward slash warm showers today for more information and to book your shipment. Now back to the show. So let's go back to this journey after the pandemic. Um, obviously, you were a different age when you did that. That most recent trip, assuming that's your most recent trip. Have you done a trip since then? Um, I've done little ones, but I'm yeah. actually fixing to go uh, to Germany in two weeks to cycle up the Rhine River. Mm, amazing. Is there anything about touring solo right now that um, you think about differently because you're solo? Well, when you say right now, I guess it, we would have to point to my age. I'm going to turn 65 and, uh, and maybe it's just would have happened naturally. I get a lot more of that trip protection insurance. Um, and I got uh, sort of a package health insurance thing. I mean, right. actually, when you're overseas, it's not crazy like here in the U.S. But nevertheless, I don't want to have a head injury somewhere and not have, you know, at least in my wallet, uh, you know, a phone number that I could call for insurance and, and stuff like that. Right, so right. It, it, to me, it's not a lot of money for right now, uh, especially now with even a resurgence of a COVID vari variation that, uh, you know, there's so many reasons you might have to cancel a trip. So that's one thing that I probably have now that I didn't have in, you know, 10 years ago when I was touring. Right. Yeah, and that's a that's actually a really important piece of advice. Not something we've talked about a lot on the show is is health insurance while you're traveling. That's a, a really good um a really good tidbit for people to take away. So I wanna move into outside of that, because you're a writer and you've done these long tours, have you taken your tours and turned them into written pieces? And in, in, is that how you were featured in the New York Times? Was that about about your cycling? Uh, uh, no, that came as an offshoot. Um, uh, I had really responded to a call for submissions. Um, it was uh, from the uh, uh, Women's uh, History Museum in Washington, D.C., um, they had asked for uh, journals or representation of work from women telling a story during the pandemic. And because they realized that just like first line responders, women were really, whether they were in the medical field or not, or teachers, that 
a lot of them were working through the pandemic. They didn't have, you know, an option not to be working during the pandemic. And so they wanted to hear stories of women, uh, you know, during the pandemic. And, you know, it brought to mind to me, Anne Frank, when she had heard the call uh, from one of the uh, cabinet ministers in the Netherlands that they wanted to have, they knew the war would be over. They knew one day this thing would be over for World War II. And so they wanted documentation, historical records from their own citizens of what it was like to live through you know, this war. And of course, she had a perspective of you know, starting her diary and then going into hiding. And then also, you know, the aftermath of, of, you know, the diaries being found and the pages collected and eventually published by her father. So I, I sort of thought these historical records, of course, will be in, of interest to the Women's History Museum. So I submitted uh, blog posts that I had done, things like that. And so uh, I guess a reporter from the New York Times um, was interested and asked for excerpts of, of what the uh, museum had gathered. And mine was part of that uh, project. And uh, then sh the editor sent, um, you know, sort of like what you did, uh, asked for some uh, biographical information. And I mentioned that I had done this bike trip and that was one of the things that she put into her intro for me uh, in this uh, article from, in the New York Times is that I had, during the, the pandemic, when lockdown restrictions lifted, I had, you know, ridden across the country. Yeah, you ventured out as soon as you could. You're like, I'm going to go out and I'm going to go far, far away from where I've just been stuck. I love it. I love it. So... Jane, tell me, um, where can people find you? So other than Googling, and I, I want people to Google you so they can see your other written pieces, but in terms of like this upcoming trip in Germany, do you do a regular uh, written blog of your cycling experiences? Well, I include, um, yes, I have a, a it's at Memorius, let's, that's the word memoir, us, memoir, us memoriuswrite.blogspot.com and we can put that in the notes um so i i'll post stuff there but i also publish my trip diaries at crazy guy on a bike and that's oh, crazy guy okay. on a bike.com mm -hmm. just the whole word crazy guy on a yeah, bike yeah we've We'll put that in the show notes. We're familiar with that. Yeah. So, so people can search for your written pieces there too. Yeah. And so I've several of my longer trips, um, like I rode my bike from Amsterdam to Norway and all these have been solo and sometimes mm. a little bit crazy, uh, in the sense of, uh, nothing like a bike accident or anything. Uh, though I did have a very fatigued wheel on my ride across the country and I had to sort of get rescued uh, by a warm showers person who is just terrific. Um, and uh, these people rescued me, got me to a bike shop in time before it closed for the weekend. 
I bought a new wheel. They had a friend who helped me install the wheel on my bike, you know, because it was the rear wheel and it was the cassette, you know. So uh, we needed someone with that chain whip, whatever. So, um, but most of my my journals have to do with getting lost. <laughs> That's why the Rhine River uh, appeals to me yeah. because I know I have to be next to a river, you know, at either on the yeah. left or right, and I can't get too lost. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Jane. Thank you for coming on and you're an inspiration. <laughs> you're also you're also adventurous and I, I greatly admire that. And um your your all of your skills as a writer is very interesting. And I know a lot of our listeners will be interested too. So I look forward to seeing how many people connect and follow along with you. And please keep us posted on your journeys. And we really appreciate you taking the time to come on uh, this podcast and talk to our listeners. Thank you. Thank you very much. And folks, make sure you check all the links in the show notes to find Jane and Google her. Google her so you can find out all of the different workshops and things that she has available. And also, if you are listening to this on any of the, the podcast listening apps, make sure that you give us a rating and review. And if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure that you subscribe below so you can meet more of our guests and the community members at Warm Showers like Jane. Thank you, Jane. Thank you. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Wherever you are listening, please leave us a rating and a review as it helps us reach more cyclists and hosts around the world. Visit us at warmshowers.org to become a part of our community or on Instagram at warmshowers underscore org. If you would like to be a guest on the show or submit a question, please make sure to email us at podcast at warmshowers.org.